Welcome everyone to Monday Motivations with that motivational guy, Tony Canavero. Hey, that's me. Every Monday I'm bringing you motivation, mindset, training, book reviews, powerful guests, and sometimes some randomness from my entirely too many hobbies. Uh, for show notes, head on over to thatmotivationalguy.com slash podcast. There might even be some free gifts around there if you look around. Please subscribe, rate, and review, and make sure you get your regular Monday dose of motivation. Now, let's do this. Hello, everyone. Welcome to That Motivational Guy. I am so excited today to have with me, uh, oh boy, we should have talked about this off air, Kimberly. Kimberly Melusis. Perfect. Oh, look at that. I've got Kimberly Melusis with me today, and I'm really excited to have her on the show, guys. Um, you know, she, looking at her bio, there's some significant insight, experience, and success. success we might have to edit that. Maybe I'll leave it in. I don't know. We'll see. Success topics that uh, Kimberly can bring forward for all of us to be able to learn from. So I want everyone to get a pen and paper and be ready to take notes. If you're listening in your car, be ready to listen to this more than once so that you can internalize what it is that you get. So uh, Kimberly is a CPA tax specialist turned natural health entrepreneur and abundance coach. In her coaching work, she focuses on empowering people to create abundance in their mind, body, and finances. And she recently launched her Life More Abundantly course for that very purpose. She's also a homeschooling mom, brave, very brave, I have to admit. Loves swimming, hiking, scuba, diving, and gardening. So we've got some common interest in the gardening. Kimberly, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's an honor to be here. Well, I'm really glad to have you. Another fellow Canadian um, from Caledon, Ontario. Uh, and uh, Kimberly, I want to start with, and I mean this in the absolute most respectful, loving way. CPA, I love my accountants and my bookkeepers. The step from CPA to entrepreneur to life more abundantly, it's not a common thing you associate with CPA engineering mindsets. Tell me about that journey for you. Yeah, well, I should have warned you that I'm mildly eccentric and maybe borderline crazy. So, <laughs> you know, maybe that's part of it. But, you know, I, I would love to say that I took a course in my, you know, CPA journey on how to become a health entrepreneur, but that wasn't part of that course. It was more just a personal passion that I had to get myself better. I had a slew of health issues. I was not finding hope in the you know regular traditional medicine. And so from a very early age, before it was even popular, I was really exploring the natural health world. So you know, 25 years ago when very few people actually knew about it, where I had to go to very obscure places to mm -hmm. get things. Mm -hmm. That was really part of my journey to heal myself. And then, you know, couple that with my desire to make an impact on people. And, you know, as a corporate tax specialist, I love what I did. Believe it or not, I know I'm a little crazy. I did tell you that. <laughs> um, I did love my job. I love the complexity of the tax, you know, legislation and studying it. And the biggest thing, though, is I loved the people that I worked with. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to make an impact on people. And there's only so much room for that when you're a senior corporate tax manager at one of the largest CPA firms in the world. And so I knew that if I was really going to make an impact on people the way that I wanted to, I had to go a different route. And mm -hmm. so when I quote unquote retired from my job to pursue the more, I didn't even know what I was going into. I just remember that on my last day of work, I wrote on the whiteboard, the poem, Road Less Traveled. 
Oh, I love it. Ends, yeah, it ends this way, you know, like uh, that the road there, I, I clearly don't even remember how it ends. <laughs> Two roads diverge in a yellow wood and I took the one less traveled by and that has made all the difference. And so I knew I was going on the road less traveled. I knew I was going on a path that was uncertain, unclear, but I knew I had to go. Awesome. I love it. So tell me about, so when you made that decision to, to, because we're going to get into life more abundantly, but I know for a fact that if you're listening to this podcast, there's probably a good chunk of you that are in that phase of you're not necessarily satisfied with what you have, where you are right now. And some of you have what I call the golden handcuffs and I'm not against jobs at all. I think jobs are fantastic. Um, I'm not a, you know, that J O B just over broke business. I think that's insulting and I would never actually say it to someone. So, but there are people that want more or, or, or aren't feeling fulfilled and satisfied. So you go from a high level, uh, corporate executive role and you step out into the natural health world, which we're going to explore a little bit more. What were some of the biggest obstacles you faced, especially around your mindset and, and the people around you? What, what was that like for you? Oh my goodness. It was one obstacle after another, really, because I mean, the first one was financial. Mm-hmm. So after we made the decision to, you know, pursue a different route, like I said, I honestly didn't even know where I was going. I just knew that I wanted to do more. And so then we, you know, it's kind of like, I, I always say that I'm a cut twice, measure once type of person. And if you're a sewer, you know what I mean? If you're sewing anything, the idea is that you measure twice and then you cut once. Mm-hmm. But I'm more of a cut twice, measure once, you know, yep. <laughs> you know what I mean, right? Mm-hmm. You cut it and it's like, oh, that didn't work. You cut it again. And it's like, oh, that still didn't work. Oh, I better measure it, you know? Mm-hmm. And so it was a little bit like that in the journey. It was a little bit like, okay, well, maybe this will work for making money. Maybe we can flip houses. That's mm-hmm. a great idea, except that we were living in the house that we were flipping. And so we did more flipping than the houses did. But <laughs> it was just a crazy, crazy set of circumstances. And so the first you know, barrier was a financial one. We, we just didn't know how we were going to provide for our family financially and still be considered sane and responsible. Yes, I had savings. You know, I was a six-figure income earner for you know, m- many years. So was my husband. Um, so it's not like we didn't have anything. We weren't being irresponsible. But it was becoming a bit of an issue. So that was one issue. Issue. And then the second one in terms of obstacle was just the societal pressure. I mean, here I was, master's degree in accounting, scored in the top 10 in Ontario for the CPA exams, 20 years of tax experience, you know, one of the most sought after positions in one of the most sought after firms. What in the heck was I doing? <laughs> you know? Right. That's a big hurdle to get over. Right. So so tell me about that because I've been through some of that. So I know, and I, I want to prepare our listeners for if they decide to make that step, what are they going to hear from the people that they care about most? Yeah, I think the people that they care about most are the ones that care about them the most. And, mm-hmm. and sadly, you know, it would be nice if everybody could see what you see, but part of being a visionary, part of being a leader is to see beyond what other people see. And so sometimes it requires you to go to a place and people are like, why are you going there? There's nothing over there. And you're like, no, but there is, you just can't see it. And so you have to be patient with the people around you, understand that they love you, they care about you. It's not a matter of conflict, but you can't listen to every voice. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the voices that have spoken to you in the past may be the ones that speak into you going forward. 
Right. Right. So um, give me, I'd like to explore that just a little bit more in detail. Um, let's do some specific examples because that was great. And, and I know, cause I've, as I say, I've been through it, but here you are, you described kind of your background, right? And you're making a step to move into some other form of entrepreneurship, which I don't know which way it went yet. I kind of have an idea where it ended up or where it's going. What specifically were the hardest things that you had to overcome from your circle of influence? Yeah, so I'll give you one very specific example. So uh, because of my background as a CPA, I was part of a a training group that was helping other people in their finances. And amongst that group was um, a, you know, a lawyer, somebody who had been in really highly involved in uh, banking and really understood economics. He was an economics specialist. And then there was somebody that was involved with loans and mortgages and insurance. And, and so we were together a group and we were training other people. And during that period of training, you know, I'm offering my experience in tax and accounting, um, it was, it was interesting to hear the dialogue for the others that were part of that group because we're all very educated. We're all very, you know, um, clearly knowing what we're doing in the area of finance. And, and I think the biggest judgment came from them because mm -hmm. why would I be so irresponsible to make this choice? You know, I didn't have a clear plan ahead of me. You know, and, and so some of the things that even happened was as, as I was sitting there, they were talking to me, but not talking to me, if you know what I mean. So they were, I could tell that the, the comments were directed to me um, in terms of being responsible and having a plan and, you know, you don't just quit and leave your job. And you know, it's like, gee, I wonder who they're referring to, you know, so, <laughs> Well, I, I know that they weren't trying to be unkind. They, they really were trying to be, you know, wise and understanding stewardship. And I, and even to this day, I still wouldn't recommend that everybody just gets up and leaves their job. I mean, we did have some plan as obscure as it seemed and really do have to have a clear vision. And I didn't have nothing going for me in the area of, you know, finance and, and business acumen and so on, but they just didn't see it. Right. Uh, and so when I made the transition into flipping houses, we actually had to call upon one of them for financial help because mm -hmm. we were in the midst of this crisis. We were almost on the verge of bankruptcy. We needed uh, some more capital to finish one of the homes that we were flipping and uh, we just needed to call upon them for help. So of course that's, that's humbling. So you have to eat some humble pie mm -hmm. uh, because now we're then subject to the people who may have had the judgments of us, but they were kind enough to lend and we are so grateful for that. We overcame that hurdle, but then we go into the next phase. And the next phase, of course, is, well, now we're going to do direct sales. Well, doesn't this make sense? We're going to spend, you know, 40 hours in the week and we're going to earn on average, oh, about $1.31 an hour. <laughs> doesn't that make sense, you know? Mm -hmm. But they couldn't see, again, the, the residual income that we were building into, if you understand the concept of building a pipeline, we knew what we were doing. They couldn't see it. So those are some practical things that we faced in terms of the difficulties. And I have to say that one of my number one issues, if I, I mean, I have a lot of issues, but one <laughs> of the number one, <laughs> let's just, let's just face that, you know, we're all human, but one of the biggest ones for me is rejection. And so I, I am, I'm not fearful necessarily of taking action. I'm fearful of other people's opinions of the actions that I take. And so for me, that having to come up against that fear of rejection over and over and over again, it felt relentless. 
but I had to always come back to the place of this is what I believe, this is who I know I am, I'm following by these principles, and it was tough. It was tough, and it was tough to not just not respond to the rejection, but to not respond angrily to the mm-hmm. rejection, you know, because the opposite sometimes of feeling rejected is to, you know, then lash out because you're feeling so insecure. So to get to the place where you can feel secure in the midst of the rejection, that's that was the tough balance. I want to explore that some more because that is is truthfully, when you pare down why people fail at sales, marketing, business, entrepreneurship, and I've been a professional salesman for over, almost 30 years now um, and have a similar background, flipping houses, direct sales, commission sales, um, didn't have the corporate job or the tax acumen. But other than that, we're kind of similar. Uh, but rejection is the one that people have to really deal with. And I know that my wife really struggles with that a lot more than I did because of my background in sales at a very early age, knocking doors and, and cold door knocking. So I learned to overcome that quite quickly. But people that are stepping into online marketing, maybe they want to write a book, maybe they want to start a home-based business, a direct sales company, maybe they want to start some other entrepreneurship, you are going 100% going to be rejected for sure. How did you, what did you do to overcome that? Because that's not something you probably had to deal with a lot in your corporate world, I'm guessing. No, and, it, and what's really funny is that one of the reasons why I didn't want to become a partner at the firm was because then I had to do sales. Right. <laughs> what did I do? I left my job to go into what is now direct sales, you know, it's, so it's kind of funny and ironic. Um, but I didn't like rejection. I mean, I just, I didn't, I didn't like when people said no. So mm-hmm. there's a couple of things I did very practically. Number one is I studied boundaries because I learned that part of the problem of hearing no is because I couldn't say no. And so as I learned to get stronger boundaries, I could say no easier and I could also hear and respect other people's no with you know without running to them well they hate me. <laughs> I recognize that no doesn't mean I hate you. It yeah. just means no. You know, and maybe it even means just not now or maybe it means I actually need help overcoming what it is that I'm looking at and it looks impossible. So it can mean a lot of things but it likely doesn't mean I hate you go away. Right. And so once you get the boundaries in place, that's that's the first thing I feel was important. The second thing was I, I, you know, I'm a Christian, so I come back to some basic principles from the Bible. And one of them is that there's no fear in love and perfect love drives out fear. And then when you look at the definition of love, it's love is not self-seeking. And so I recognized that as long as I was focused on myself, how I was being perceived, how I was being you know, judged. What, it, what did this person think my motives were? Then I was walking in fear. But the moment that I took the focus off of myself and started putting it on the person that I was supposed to be serving, then the fear went away. Because now I wasn't worried about how did they perceive me. Now I was worried about, are they going to get the solution that they really need? Are they going to get the help that they really need? You know, Am I going to make the difference that I need to make in the world you know, by doing this. And that really is what overcomes the fear over. And to this day, I still have to go back there because you don't just throw off rejection for the rest of your life. I feel like it's an ongoing battle, but I always come back to the place of love. If I can get myself into the place of love and service, the fear goes away. That's so powerful. I hope listeners, 
if you're if you're in if you're driving don't do this if you have the ability back the podcast up re-listen to that that if you get nothing else from the rest of this conversation and i'm sure you will but if you get nothing else than what kimberly just shared that can change your life because fear is what holds us all back from doing the things that we want to do and any that was a very very profound lesson thank you very much for sharing that kimberly um Tell me about the Live More Abundantly course. Where did, where did that come from? Full disclosure, um, I, I, we have no affiliation financially as far as uh, affiliate deals or anything like that, so I, I'm not getting paid to promote anything here. I just want to know, how do you go from, okay, I'm a, a top leader in direct sales, which Kimberly is, uh, probably earning a significant income, which we don't have to disclose, to I want to have a coaching course what's that what's that decision look like it's it's a very fun decision um and a fun story because what happened is last okay so back it up i start every year asking god for my word for the year okay so last year in 2019 the word that i got really clearly was abundance and it was being confirmed from an, a number of different sources so you know write that down in my journal great go about my year not having forgotten it, but not having it front of mind either. So then July comes around and I work with my marketing team and I, I like to make it sound all professional, my marketing team. It's actually my son and his <laughs> girlfriend. <laughs> but I work with my marketing team and I say, you know, I want to create a customer education program um, because I just feel like people need to have support in terms of learning about some things about their health, because honestly, people would come to me with a whole list of health issues. You know, they got fibromyalgia, they got diabetes, they've got, you know, heart condition, they got this, that, and the other thing. And then they come and they ask, because my business is essential oils, uh, primarily they'll say, what oil can I use? And I'm like, Whoa, dude, <laughs> like, you are expecting a lot from the oils. If you have all of those and you want a magic fix. And I realized that people needed to get uh, some education. So that's how it started out. I felt like I wanted to do a customer education program. Great. Then I sit down and I start writing it. But the more that I start writing it, the more that I'm in my self-reflective mode. And as I'm reflecting, I'm thinking, I, I really, I don't want this just to be a customer education. I really want this to be something that empowers people like it really has to empower people like if I'm going to do something I'm going to do it well uh, so then I started and I literally just put my fingers to the keyboard and I started writing and what came out was the fact that my journey has been a journey of abundance you know mm -hmm. here I am 50 years old and I feel like I have never been more physically well emotionally well financially well and spiritually well my relationships are stronger i'm less triggered emotionally like i i have more energy i sleep better and i was like why why is this just me you know why why am i experiencing this and if the answer is because one of the lucky ones well there's no hope in that but if the answer is i actually did some stuff and i followed some principles and if if that's the answer, then I can teach those principles. And if I can teach those principles, then others can learn those principles. And then that means that everybody has the opportunity to walk in abundance. And so that was the, the beginning. And as I'm thinking these things, what pops into my head is John 10.10. 10. And John 10.10 10 is the verse that says, 
you know, the thief comes to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. And I took hold of that and I realized that's what I have been believing for the past 25 years of my life. I've been believing that abundance was possible. I've been believing that abundance is not only possible, but achievable if I put certain principles in place. But it's not just a matter of saying every morning, I'm abundant. It's actually combined with taking some very practical steps. And what are you eating? How are you moving your body? What are you choosing to put in your mind? What are you choosing to do with your money? investing in people around the world and in their health and in their future because the more that you give the more that you receive and so all of these principles started coming to me and I realized that I had a course and it's a 10-part course which is now a 10-week course which talks about creating abundance and 10 key areas of your life to achieve physical emotional financial and spiritual health so that's how it transformed and I literally wrote the course in about three weeks and then we had, to, uh, we had to hire a filming crew to film it. And I did the whole teaching on two and a half days that almost killed me. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was a lot of work. And then we rolled it out. Wow, that's fantastic. I'm going to have the links to the, in the show notes, guys. So if you want to check that out, you can go and take a look at it for sure. Um, I want to just t- dive into that a little bit more deeply. Um, so two things. You talked about your journey into natural health. Mm-hmm. And uh, I mean, as of this filming, we are kind of in the towards the middle end of the COVID-19 situation. I mean, it's not over by any stretch, but it's definitely a challenge. So, I mean, health is definitely front and center everywhere at mm-hmm. the moment, but that has not always been the case, obviously. Mm-hmm. Um and you mentioned, uh, you know, uh, essential oils as being, you know, one of your chosen vehicles right now. And it's definitely one of those tools in the toolbox for people when it comes to natural health. But what would you say would be three of the biggest myths that people have in their head when it comes to the concept of natural or alternative health? Yeah, I think um, a lot of people have bought into the lie that natural health is just for hippies. You know, that that, that's a really great marketing um, technique of the big pharma. Mm -hmm. Uh, And and I could explain why that's not the case. I think the other thing that people have bought into as a lie about natural health is that we think we know better, you know, in terms of, well, we don't trust doctors, you know, we're anti-doctor, we're anti, you know, medical practice. And it's not the case at all. In fact, my company is very much closely entwined with medical professionals who see a bigger picture of health than just stabbing you or giving you a pill. Mm-hmm, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So they can both go together. There's definitely beauty and, and wisdom in both. And I think the third thing that people see wrongly about natural health is that it's somehow inferior to what can be offered by big pharma. And it's absolutely not the case. In fact, many, I can give you many instances where the, the natural uh, options are actually way more powerful, way more effective, and way less harmful than their alternatives. I love it. I, I'm gonna dig in a little more deeply and I hope it's okay because um, being a student of the direct sales industry, having been involved in it for a long time and a champion of the industry really, um, one of my struggles with the industry right now is the way it's regulated by in the 
it's regulated in the United States, which then turns into regulation for most of North America. We're Canadians and we have Health Canada, which is a different organization, obviously, than uh, what they deal with in the U.S. But how do you deal with, as a big leader, so here's a tip for all you direct sales folks out there, especially if you're in health and wellness. Uh, Kimberly's a big leader. That's obvious to me. She's got a big organization and we're, we don't have to get into specifics, but just trust me, go look her up, you'll see. How do you manage the challenge between I do this and I feel better and I want to tell people what it does for me, but the governments and the FTC and those kinds of organizations say I can't make health claims. And if you're watching this on YouTube, you're seeing me do air quotes, health claims. How do you, how do you manage that? What are some tips for that field rep out there in a health and wellness company who's experienced something great, um, but yet really shouldn't share it because of current regulations? That's such a great question. So now you want my secrets. Oh, dear. Well, it, it, it doesn't, just a little one, just a little one. That's okay. So one of the things is it's really important that we don't make things, right? Mm -hmm. So we never would say that this oil or this product would treat, cure, or prevent a disease because that's something that only pharmaceuticals are allowed to do, right. which in some ways is annoying. But on the other way, it's actually pretty much the case. And I'll tell you what I mean. I believe that our bodies were created to heal themselves. Mm -hmm. And so all that we're allowed to claim in the natural health world is that such and such a product helps your body to do what it's meant to do naturally. And I say, amen. Mm -hmm. Because if our body is designed to fight infection, and we have something that will support a proper immune response or a healthy immune response, then I think people can translate that pretty easily to realize that this thing that, they're, that we're talking about is going to help them when they're facing threats. Right? Awesome. If we're, if we're looking at people who have respiratory issues and we tell them that this product helps to support a healthy respiratory system, that's great. They get the idea that if they need help in the respiratory system they can get this uh this this product to help them because their body really wants your body wants to be well if you support your body and you give it what it needs it wants to be well it will make itself well all it needs is support i love it that's good wisdom because i see this uh, all of my listen all my network marketing friends right now take note i see a lot of you out there right now and have for a long time getting your companies in trouble by saying things you shouldn't say and as good as your products are, no matter what company you're with, if you want to be able to continue to offer those products to the consumer, you need to follow the rules. There was some gold in what Kimberly just shared. I went a little off script. Thank you for, for, for pivoting with me. But again, I see that as being one of the inequities in the industry is that yeah, anyway, I will save that for another show and we'll actually specifically dig into network marketing and how to, anyway, we'll do that later. <laughs> yeah, the rabbit hole can go deep and wide. Um, anyhow, uh, so tell me a little bit about, uh, I wanted to touch on the principles that you talked about for the Live More Abundantly course. If, and we obviously cannot do that in this show uh, and nor would we, but if if somebody is listening right now and you could have them take one snapshot of one principle that they could start, what would it be? 
So I think the biggest thing that I would want them to take away is to evaluate their lives and to say, ask themselves the question, am I living in the level of abundance that I want to in my physical health, in my emotional health, in my financial health, and in my spiritual health? And if the answer is no to any of the above, and each of those can be broken down, like I, I have four areas in physical health and then two each in the other areas, but if the answer is no, I want them to come to the conclusion that that's not just how it is. Right. That that's not just the expected outcome as you age, but that they can challenge that assumption and believe that abundance is available and accessible to them and then to pursue it. Mm -hmm. If they believe that it's accessible and available to them and they pursue it, they will achieve it and they will experience life more abundantly because I truly believe that it's available for everyone. And there are some simple principles you have to put in place, but it's definitely achievable. achievable. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you very much for sharing that. Um, I wanted to dig in a little bit more deeply and I've said that three times so far. So that tells me you've got a lot of great <laughs> stuff. Yeah. Um, you talked about your word of the year. Um, I think I know where that came from. Um, I'm pretty confident I have an idea where that, who's teaching that stemmed from, but would you share where you got that idea from, please? Well, I told you that I wanted to share the word hope. And then I found out that your previous guest, Mr. Menke, shared, <laughs> shared that word as well. Um, but I love the word, word hope. And, and for the same reasons that he said it, if you can believe that something is possible, like even, even if you don't see it in your life right now, mm -hmm. even if you're not experiencing it right now, if, if there's even a glimpse of hope, the human spirit attracts to hope like a magnet. Mm -hmm. And anything is possible if you have even a glimpse of hope. And hope, those who peddle hope are the most powerful influencers of the world because that is what every human being is looking for. And then I would say it goes even further because I believe that hope in and of itself is insufficient without faith because faith is being sure of what we hope for and confident of what we do not see. And so having the hope and then with the faith, believing it's absolutely substantial, that's what's gonna drive us forward. That's what's gonna help us to overcome. That's what's gonna create abundance. That's what's gonna help us to make the impact that we want to on the world. If all we see is hopelessness and discouragement and despair, then we won't have that. I love it. That's such a powerful word and a powerful idea. Um, so getting back to, and, and I hope that the listeners go back to replay that and listen to the fact that uh, Kimberly was saying that hope is a beginning, and but by itself can't lead to the destination. There has to be other things that go along with it. Much like I say, motivation by itself is worthless. It, it's a start. Hope is a beginning, just like motivation is a beginning, but other things have to be brought into it for sure. Uh, consistency, faith, um, you know, practice, those kinds of things to actually get to the achievement. But what I want to dig into is uh, the concept of choosing a word for the year. Now, you chose oh, abundance. Wow. Um, yeah, where did that teaching and that idea come from? Well, I would say that it came from God. 
mm-hmm. because I start every year just asking God for a word. Mm-hmm. And um, when I asked for um, the word for 2019 and I came up with abundance, you know, I, I actually wrote in my prayer journal in the beginning of 2019 that the word was abundance and that it means more than enough. And that this word wasn't just for me, it was for others. Because I had already felt like I was experiencing abundance, but I had a really clear sense that this word wasn't just for me this year, but it was for other people. And I was going to be training other people how to walk in abundance. And, and I, I actually didn't finish that circle. You're right. So when, when I actually did the course and John 10, 10 popped into my mind and I was like, oh, I'm so excited, you know, and I can name this course Life More Abundantly. It was only as I was writing that course that I realized, oh, my goodness, this was my word for the year. And then the, <laughs> the dots started connecting. I always I always think that sometimes, you know, God gives me a spirit of stupid just so that I can be amazed. (laughs) And another example of that is when I launched my course, I told my son, it has to be launched on October the 10th, this Thursday or this coming Thursday. I really want it to be launched that day. And he's like, why, why about that day? And I was like, I don't know. I just feel like that's an important day. And then he launches it and it all gets done and then I realize it's October the 10th 10 and I send him a message and I said oh 10 10 it's today this is the day that the the course got launched and he's like yeah I thought that's why you wanted it (laughs) oh that's fantastic (laughs) everybody else thought except for me so I get sometimes the spirit is stupid but I'm really grateful for that because it was coming back full circle for me as I was writing that course the abundance that I had thought about for the year that that was all coming together and it was this beautiful beautiful picture I love it. That's fantastic. It's amazing how things work sometimes when you step back and look at the overall uh, perfectness of the picture. So tell me about when you first kind of got going, uh, taking steps outside of the corporate CPA world, what was kind of that moment that, uh, that motivated you to really make that change? And, and what, what was that real driver? There's probably one thing that you can remember back to like, okay, I, I need to make a change. What, what, tell me about that experience. Well, you know, it's, it's almost like asking somebody more too. Like there's, there's so many ways to answer that question. And I, and I feel like even though there might be one thing, there's, it's, it's kind of a culmination of things, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a brewing and then suddenly, you know, it's like the straw that breaks the camel's back, but in a good way. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the main compelling things that uh, made me want to leave was the fact that I had just almost completely uh, lost my marriage. So I, at the time I had three children, I now have four. <laughs> Clearly we got our marriage back together. But, um, <laughs> we, we had our three children. We had gone through so much heartache and we were pretty much finished um, from a relationship standpoint. And then we recovered. And as we recovered that relationship, um, I started to value things differently. And I started to see that so many people around me were, you know, struggling with a similar heartache and difficulty in their relationships. And I was just seeing one relationship after another break down. And it really troubled me. And so believe it or not, one of the initial reasons for me leaving my job was pursue the more in terms of the more in terms of impact, but also what could we do to maybe help other couples? So actually that was my first motivation for wanting to leave. And, and I think the process of having just almost lost my marriage and then get it back again, um, that really was, you know, what helped me to 
get the motivation to leave. Wow, powerful stuff. Oh, I'm glad to hear that things have uh, gotten to be where you wanted them to be in the first place. I mean, it's never easy, but it's always worth it. And um, um, congratulations to you. That's, that's wonderful. So you have uh, in your, in your multiple uh, lives, I guess, if you will, you have a significant marketing team, significant sales organization that you work with in your, in your business. Um, Let's talk a little bit about what kinds of things have you found have been important for working with your mindset or that you recommend to your team as far as books or is there some tips that you can give on, hey, study this, read that, listen to this, and it'll help you with that mindset uh, issue that we all go through when we're struggling. Yeah, there's so much out there um, that I could recommend. I'll tell you some of the ones that come to my mind immediately when you ask that question, and that is The Slight Edge. You probably Mm -hmm. know that book. It's a very common one. I love that because it's very basic, and it's about just doing the simple things because sometimes we wait for the the big thing, you know, when that big thing comes then, you know, but it's the simple things that are done every single day. And I think that's the basic principle. And then of course there's, you know, books like um, 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, which I have implemented in multiple ways, you know, Mm -hmm. my journey, Um, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, difficult book to get through, but if you can grasp the principles, uh, for me, you know, that was, that's really a, a great, explanation of my journey throughout direct sales mm-hmm. even getting to the place of interdependence which for me was absolutely terrifying um so <laughs> that's been another great one and then there's a book by henry cloud and uh, townsend on boundaries and so like i mentioned to you about the importance of boundaries so that was an important one they uh henry cloud went on to write a book called boundaries for business which i think is an absolute must read by everybody who has uh any kind of business And then I can't ignore um, Caroline Leaf and her uh, work uh, on the mind. So she's a neuroscientist, really talks uh, about how the mind works. And so she has a book uh, that's called um, Switch on Your Brain and really, again, works on the mindset. So that would definitely be something your audience would be interested in. And then my favorite book is always the Bible. But, uh, (laughs) you know, that's where all of my principles come from. Yeah, one of my favorite uh, one of my favorite motivational speakers of all time is Ed Foreman, and he's got a talk where he mentions um, he says it like this. He talks about think and grow rich, which is kind of the granddaddy of them all. And his way of saying it is, you know, think and grow rich is kind of the greatest goal setting book that's ever been written outside the Bible. And there's if you spend time in both books, there's a lot of uh, crossover let's just say i wanted i wanted to just talk to you a little bit about um the boundaries because you know that's something especially when you're in um you know you're leading a team uh you've got significant people that are looking to you and you want to help them all i know when vanessa and i had a big team the biggest struggle we always had was everybody wanted your time and attention and boundaries was a real hard thing. If you're a people pleaser, you hate saying no to people. So how was that process for you to kind of get to that? Um, and then how did your team take it and how did you, how did you manage that? Yeah, I'm really grateful to have started my journey into boundaries before I started my direct sales business because I don't oh. think 
survived. Um, I just to give you a background, I come from a background of a lot of abuse. So I was uh, sexually, verbally, and uh, physically abused. And so because of that, of course, boundaries become issue. It's hard to say no. I mean, mm -hmm. no never worked in the past. Why would it work now? You know, so you get into, you train yourself in a kind of bad way. And I had to untrain myself. I had to learn that it was not going to be the end of my life if I said no. And it was okay to hear people's no and all that kind of good stuff. So, um, and also I guess the big part was to hear yes. I had a hard time hearing yes, because when people would offer me help, I had a hard time receiving it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's part of boundaries as well. So all of the healthy boundaries work that I continue to do to this day has been absolutely instrumental in in the way that I run my team and in the way that I keep the health of my team functioning because like you said I mean there's 70,000 people in my organization if all of them wanted equal access to me I couldn't possibly survive right and I have to let them know that you know access to me doesn't equal how much I value them it's just practical Right. You know, so, and I feel like the more that I keep my boundaries in place and the more that I, um, you know, keep structure in that, the more I empower my leaders to do the same. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. we have a pretty healthy team that way. You know, some of my leaders still struggle, but I give them the book, they read it and they implement it. And they're like, that saved my life. Yeah, <laughs> very true. Very true. I think one of the biggest challenges that people face in any sort of, in, in any sort of industry where you need to create organizations is being able to look behind yourself and saying, okay, that person can do it on their own. They don't need me anymore. That's not a, that is not an indication that you failed. That's an indication that you succeeded when you can create people that can be independent. And I love that. That's fantastic. Uh, what are you not very good at, Kimberly? Oh gosh. <laughs> so have you ever heard of the Clifton Strengths test? I have not. It's really good, really worthwhile doing. Um, it's you can buy the book. Clifton Strengths 2.0, I think it's called. Oh, yes. Yes, I have. Yeah. So then at the end of the book, there's an, a code and you can go online and you can do your strengths finders test, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So some of my top skills, you know, strategic, you know, like I, I almost look like a computer with my top five skills. <laughs> but um, there's a, a code. If you pay extra, you can unlock all of your skills, all 34 of them, I think, or 37. I can't remember how many there are. My absolute bottom one, you don't laugh, but I always tell people my absolute bottom one is empathy and I don't care. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I, but here's the thing. It, and I've come to realize this because I heard, you know, uh, Mr. Minky say that he, he's an empath and he really feels people's emotions. And as he's explaining, it, it's like, yes, I actually am like that. I can tell immediately how someone's feeling, even when they walk in a room. I am not at my best when I respond to that. Right. I'm at my best when I don't function from a place of empathy, which is why it's my bottom strength. Not because I'm not good at it, but because I am not ideal when I function out of that place. It, it takes too much out of me. Right. And my best is when I'm able to keep people moving forward, to see the big picture, to strategize, to, you know, motivate, to accelerate. Like that's where are best applied and if I'm sitting there listening to somebody talk for two hours and not saying anything about how they can get out of that hole I'm just dead like don't don't make me do that I'd rather have my teeth pulled out yeah <laughs> you know? yep, I get that I, I, there's, a, there's an old joke sometimes you ask people how they're doing and they tell you 
right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, is, what are your three favorite songs? My three favorite songs? Oh, wow. Celebrate good times. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Like, it comes to mind. I like them. I like the song Happy. Love it. Love you know, it. My, my, uh, my kids make fun of me because I play that on repeat and I dance around the house. I don't care. It makes me happy. I, I love that song. It's just a beautiful, joyful song. I, I actually have a lot of worship songs that I really love. Mm -hmm. And there's one that just got released called The Blessing. And every time I listen to it on repeat, and it just reminds me of how blessed we are. Like, we don't need to fear. We have so much blessing. Love it. And then I guess the third one would be Amazing Grace. Because honestly, when I look at my past and I look at where I am now, the only way I got from where I was to where I am is because of grace. I love it. So powerful. Thank you so much for sharing. Room, desk, or car, which one do you clean first? Well, if you were to see the state of my desk and the dirtiness of my car, you couldn't possibly one of those. So <laughs> I do tend to clean rooms. I don't like Lego on the floor. I don't like, you know, mess with <laughs> me. So I, I, I clean rooms and I use a green screen. <laughs> so mm -hmm. it always looks clean. But my desk is a mess. <laughs> I can relate to that. I have a, I have an ongoing, an ongoing improvement strategy when it comes to managing clutter. How's that for, okay, that. Is that for that euphemizing? Working. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's the most, um, what one thing would you want my listeners to do today? What one thing? One thing I would want them to believe that, that more is possible. I believe that having a desire for more is not contra in a contradiction to being content. So I'm so believing in being content and being grateful for everything that we have. But believing that more is possible is, you know, that word hope, that's where that comes in. Because when you have more, you can give more. And when you have more, you're functioning from a state of no lack. And I feel like lack is the biggest enemy to mankind. When we have a lack of love or feel a lack of beauty or feel a lack of provision or a lack of finances or a lack of possibility, that's where fear sets in and we are not at our best when we're functioning from fear. Mm -hmm. We're at our best when we're functioning from a place of love and hope and always enough. And so I say, believe for more. I love it. Fantastic. Where can people find you, Kimberly? In Caledon. <laughs> <laughs> but online they can go to KimberlyMelusis.com or for my course they can go to kimm.me slash lma which means life more abundantly uh okay. life more abundantly not you know laugh my arse <laughs> <laughs> so yeah they can find me in both of those places and for your listeners if they use the code uh, mindset, they can have 20% off that course. Oh, wonderful. Thank you for that gift. Uh, I will make sure to post all the links to that in the show notes so that people can find you there as well. Uh, definitely go look her up. Uh, Kimberly, this has been an absolute breath of uh, fresh air. And not only has it been fun and uplifting and motivating for me, but I've got good notes. Um, I love the boundaries training. That's probably something I need to spend some time on. So thank you very much for sharing. I appreciate you and all that you give to those around you. For my listeners today, make today a fantastic day. And remember, 
You got this. Bye for now. Hey, thanks so much for tuning in to That Motivational Guy podcast. I hope you got some value from this. Uh, As my thanks to you, please accept a free gift from us. Go to thatmotivationalguy.com slash change and download a free webinar course that my wife Vanessa and I did on how to change anything in your life. Anything. No strings attached. Don't even have to enter an email address to get the course. It's just our gift and our thanks from us to you. If after going through the course, you do get something from it, you'll have a chance to subscribe to more good stuff at that point in time, but only after we've proven that there's some value for it. Again, thanks so much for listening. Please subscribe, rate, and review pretty please, and then go out and make it a fantastic day.